0: Daniel chapter six, Daniel chapter six. I'm gonna jump right into Daniel chapter six, verse one. And uh, here's what the Bible says. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself among the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find a charge or fault because he was faithful. Can you just say that word out loud? Can you say faithful? He was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God, We know from last week that anytime God begins to elevate you, your enemies start to tear you down. And the good news is that if there is resistance, that means you are probably in the will of God. Is anybody experiencing some resistance today? But that's the place we've got to get most comfortable because we very often find ourselves in the middle of God's will when there is resistance right in front of us. The Bible says that they couldn't find any charge against him, so they created a law that would make him uh, have to keep God's law, and therefore he would break the law they created. And we know this story to its conclusion, many of us do, and if you haven't been in church for a while, can I go ahead and tell you? Can I go ahead and tell you the rest of the chapter? Well, what happens is Daniel breaks the law because he keeps God's law. He decides that he's going to pray. The law was that you couldn't pray to any other god except for Darius. And so Daniel said, "Darius isn't God. God is God." Does anybody in the room feel like that this morning? That uh, I know that they say this guy's God and this guy's in control, but I really know the one who is ultimately in control. He is God. He is King of Kings and He is Lord of Lords. And so Daniel said, "I'm going to obey God." And in obeying God, he gets thrown into a lion's den. Well, we know that God closes the mouth of the lions, and the lion is unable to eat Daniel and to kill Daniel. And and then the Bible says that the trap that they had set for Daniel ultimately became their trap. See, what what the enemy doesn't understand is that the thing he thought was going to trip you up is ultimately the thing that's going to trip him up because you're going to do God's will. I just believe that this morning. I just believe I'm in in a room full of people who are going to do the will of God. Come on, let's just go ahead and put our hands together and say, God, I'm going to do your will. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow your command. I'm going to go your way. And the Bible tells us that Daniel was rescued and saved, and because of that, the the, the king recognized Daniel's God as God. Now, the thing I want to get into this morning is to continue in this thought of, of, of excellence. And this is what I want to. This is what I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about availability, and I re, i really believe that availability is uh, the best ability that you can give God. I, I listen. Does anybody in here listen to, to like sports radio or uh, you watch sports on television? I know your wife is sitting right beside of you, but it's okay to go ahead and admit that this morning she's like you do all the time. Go ahead, throw your hand up in the air like you watch ESPN. <laughs> What what kind of church am I going to that y'all don't watch ESPN? Like, what is happening? Maybe you watch Fox Sports. Anybody watch Fox Sports? I don't know what sports you watch, but I I watch a lot of sports, and I'm listening to a lot of talk radio right now because football season is upon us. Is there anybody excited because football season is upon us? I'm excited because football season is here because that means that I don't have to watch meaningless baseball games anymore. I can watch meaningless preseason football games are better than regular season baseball games. Amen. Anyhow, that's, that's, my, that's, that's my feeling. And the Yankees could lose all 162 games for all I care. That's all I care about. I, I know I get an applause in Tennessee. I'm talking trash about the Yankees. But, uh, but the availability truly is the best ability. And, 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 and in listening on, on the radio... I hear a lot of talk about quarterbacks and running backs and all of this stuff, and, and one of the things that I've noticed is that availability truly is the best ability, because they were talking about this one quarterback from Philadelphia, and uh, I'm not a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles at all. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. My wife is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. <laughs> Whatever and uh, um, but the Philadelphia Eagles have this quarterback that is apparently, he's like really good. But my problem is, is I never get to see him play because he's never available. Right. And the other day they were talking on, 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 on the radio and they were saying that, that, uh, that this guy, Carson Wentz, is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. And I know Pastor Ron takes offense to that because he's a Cowboys fan. And I I know we have a lot of Cowboys fans in here because Jason Witten is from this this area. Um, and, And I thought, how can this guy be better when he's never available? Availability truly is. He might have all the talent in the world. He might have all the skill in the world and he might be the next Tom Brady. The problem is, is he's never available. See, here's the thing God wants you to know about your life. He's not waiting for you to get perfect until he uses you. He's waiting for you to just say, hey, God, here am I. I'm available. The Bible says this about Isaiah, that he was in the presence of God. He was experiencing God's presence. He was in a moment, uh, not not. Much different, but a whole lot different <laughs> than we're experiencing right now. We're in God's presence. We're hearing God's word. But he was like, he was like in a moment that just have you ever had an encounter with God where you just just it just like it wasn't just chill bumps, but it was life-altering. And he is he is in one of those moments. And and in the middle of that moment, God asks this question. He says, So who will go? In the middle of his presence, in the middle of him declaring his word, in the middle of this experience, God's question is, so what's gonna be the result of this encounter? Who's gonna go? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Do you know that the reason we do all of this the reason this building is here, the reason these seats are in here, the reason I'm doing this right now, the reason we sang the songs we just sing, we just sang, is not so that you could feel a goosebump, even though that's fun. It's not so that you could just feel something. It's so that when you get to the end of this, you are asking, and you are asking this question. God, I'm sorry, but God is asking this question of you, and you are making this statement: here am I. Send me. Who's gonna go? I believe that when we really, truly encounter God, there's a purpose to that encounter, and the purpose to that encounter is that somebody would go and do what God has called them to do. God's just want, wanting you to be available, available. You're waiting until you pull it all together and you get all the strings tied and everything gets together, and you're waiting for your circumstances to line up, and God is just saying, I want you to be available, and where do I go? Well, well, Jesus told him in the Bible, he said, hey, listen, when you go, I want you to go into all the world. You know he was literally saying? He was saying, go everywhere. Where do I go? I don't know where to go. And we spend a lot of our lives trying to figure out where God wants us to go and what God wants us to do. And those things are already planned out and mapped out for us. It's like right in front of us, God says, I want you to go where? Everywhere. I want you to go into academics, I want you to go to Ingalls, I, I want you to go to your neighbors, I want you to go to the car dealership, I, 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 I want you to go to the movie, I, I want you to go to the store, I, I, I want you to go to your friends, I want you to go to your relatives. Where do I go, God? Everywhere. Wherever you are, make yourself available to me. Is there anybody in this room today who just throw a hand up in the air and say, God, wherever I am, I just want to make myself available to to you, available? How do, I, how do I begin to make myself more available? How do I do like Daniel did and in the middle of the most unbelievable circumstances, distinguish myself, and not only distinguish myself, but excel beyond those around me in the middle of the worst conditions? See, see Daniel didn't wait until he got everything together to make himself available to God. He didn't wait until they got out of Babylonian captivity to make himself available to God. He said, God, right here in the middle of Babylon, Right here in the middle of the worst situation of my life, I'm not waiting to get out of prison to make myself available. I'm not waiting to get out of my circumstances to make myself available. Right here, when I, I should be selfish, I'm going to be selfless, and I'm going to make myself available to you. Is there anybody in something bad right now? Anybody going through a difficult situation? Do you know what God wants from you? He doesn't want you to wait until you're through it to make yourself available. He wants you to right now in the middle of it, say, God, right here in the middle of of my bad marriage, I'm available. God, right now, here in the middle of his job, I hate, I'm available. (laughs) How much could we change the world if we stop waiting for our world to change? I just saw John Mayer on uh, Friday night. If we would stop waiting on our world to change, but we would begin to change the world we are currently in. God, I'd make myself available if I could get my finances together. No, God says, while your bank account is empty, are you available? (laughs) I'd make myself available, but I gotta get all my relationships together. God said, no, while your relationships are bad, can you make yourself available? So let me talk to you just for a moment about availability and how to, last week we talked about how how to cultivate a spirit of excellence. Today I wanna talk to you about how to how to cultivate availability in your life. One of the first things I see in the New Testament is Jesus is, as he's approaching his disciples that would eventually change the world, he, he goes to them and he, he asks them to follow him. When he asked them to follow him, the Bible very often says that they dropped everything and followed after Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. They walked away from it all and followed Jesus. Man. How how incredible is it that people would leave everything to follow someone? Someone they barely knew. How incredible must that invitation have been? How powerful must those words have been? How convincing must have Jesus been to when he says, follow me, the Bible says they left everything and followed him. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible gives us a little bit of insight into how to create and cultivate availability The Bible says that Jesus came upon the disciples one day and they were washing their nets and Jesus stepped into one of their boats and the Bible says it was Simon's boat and Simon had an option. Simon could have said, hey, uh, get out of my boat. Because Jesus wasn't in the boat to go fishing. Jesus wanted to use his boat to preach. And Simon could have said, hey, listen, my boat is for fishing, not for preaching. But Simon let Jesus use his boat. And Jesus used his boat to preach. And when Jesus was finished preaching, he came back and he told them to go out and he said, hey, listen, I want you to do this. And they said, well, we've been doing it. And they said, he said, no, I want you to do it a different way. And they said, well, whatever you say. And then the Bible says that when they did what he said, that they, they were blessed beyond anything they had ever seen. Why? Because whatever you give God access to, he will bless. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you... Whatever you say, God, you can use this, he will bless it. See, God wants to bless your life, but you have to give him access to your life. God is not going to come in and press his way into your life. You have to open up your life and say, God, come on in. He said, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if you'll just let me in, I'll come in. I'll eat with you. I'll dine with you. I'll bless your life. But you have to give me access to it. If you don't give me access to it, I cannot bless it. Is there anybody in the room today who says, God, you can have access to it. God, you can have access to my marriage. You can have access to my business. A lot of people are, like, why isn't God blessing my business? Well, have you let him preach from your business? Well, I, I, you know, I want to keep my church life and, and my private life separate. That's not how this works. You don't get to hide him. He wants you to elevate him. He wants you to use your gift and your influence to make his name great in all the earth, to magnify his name. And he says, if you'll let me use your boat, I'll bless your business. So how do I begin to make myself available to God? I have to make what I, what I, what I possess available to God. That's it. I have to give God access to my finances. Amen. We can't complain about our money while we're not sowing into his kingdom. Oh, man, nobody wants to hear that, Lord. They don't want, they don't want to talk about that because... Because what we do very often is, is, is and I, I've done it, we've, we've sat our bills out on the table and our checkbook and we've got our account open and we're looking and we're like, God, we need you to come in and God is gracious and very often he will come in and he will rescue us. But, but what he would like to do is he would like to, he would like to prevent those moments where you're sitting there and you don't know how it's all gonna add up and come together because I've put seed in the ground, I expect a harvest. That brings me to my second thought, is I have to change my mind. To make myself available to God, I have to change my mind. I can't live like a consumer. Because consumers are all about what's in this for me. What am I going to get from this? And, and do, you know, do you know how often in the past 22 years I've been, I've been doing ministry, do you know how often I've had people come in and the first question they ask me is, what are you doing in missions? I could probably count it with one, two, three fingers. You know, I remember every one of them because it's only happened to me three times. Do you know a question that I can't even count the number of times it's been asked to me? What do you have for my family? What do you have for my, what's your children's ministry like? Is there childcare for that? Do you know why that is? It's because we have a consumer mindset. And we bring that consumer mindset to the kingdom of God, and it doesn't work like that way. (laughs) Let me give you a scripture. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Notice the first sentence now may he who supplies seed to who? The sower, not the seed eater. The sower. A lot of people are like, where's the seed? And God's like, I'm looking for sowers. And, and, and God, watch this. God can't give more seed to you when you are holding the seed in your hand. You can't receive more until you give what you have. You can't receive what God wants to give you with your hands closed. You can't receive what God wants to give you while you're holding closely to the thing that you want to hold on to. And God says, in order for you to see what it's capable of producing, you have to trust me and put it in the ground. And when you put it in the ground, what's what I'll do? I'll, I will increase... The fruits of your righteousness. I, what, I, there's a scripture in Isaiah. Let me, let me make sure. I, I think I wrote it down. Yes. Isaiah 30 and 23. He says, then he will give you rain for the seed which you will sow in the ground. Do you know the rain only comes because the seed is in the ground? Right. <laughs> We're, we're like God. What, where's my harvest? And God's like, you haven't planted any seed. Where, where's Where's my return? God's like, you haven't put anything in the ground. You're like, Where's the rain? The rain only comes because I, I rain where the seed is. I'm not just I'm not just going to waste my resources just to throw them out there. I will give seed to the sower. I will give seed to the sower. Amen. That's hard, isn't it? Because we're, we we constantly God. God bless me. And God's like, I have created a system of blessing. All I'm asking is for you to make your resources available to me. Isn't it funny how we make fun of of preppers? And then when our power goes out for about three hours, we're like, I'm gonna die. (laughs) Right? Has your water ever stopped working at your house and you thought, oh my gosh? What are we gonna do? We can't take showers. It's not coming out of the faucet. We have no, we have no Fiji waters in the fridge. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, those people that you were making fun of with the water in their basement, you're like, where, did, where, where was their house again? Where do they live again? That guy that's got the bunker. You know what I'm talking about? And he's down in his bunker and he's getting meals together and he's prepping and all this stuff. And you're like, what a what a what a dummy. What's crazy? These people are out of their minds. And then like the power goes out. And you're like, maybe maybe I should have put something in the ground. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have spent that increase that came into my life. Maybe I needed to sow it. Joseph did it this way. The, the Bible said that Joseph interpreted a vision that the king had and the vision was this, that there were gonna be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. Joseph said, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the seven years of plenty and we're gonna put enough to the side and we're gonna sow enough while, it's, while the ground is producing that we're going to have plenty in seven years of famine. What if we've been doing this all wrong? What if, what if the tax refund we, we got in April wasn't for a, another big screen television? What if it was an opportunity for us to sow? So that now here we're, what are we? We're in, we're in August? And I'm having a hard time paying my car payment. So, but I wouldn't have if I wouldn't have wasted the increase. See, here's, here's the way the believer sees increase. The believer sees increase as an opportunity to give. See, because when I give, I don't give to get. I give to give again. we've got to change the way we think. I can't be so obsessed with consuming. I get caught up in the culture and I start acting like everybody else does. God is like, that's, you can't be available to me when you're in extreme debt. I can't ask you to go when you have thousands and thousands of dollars in credit cards to pay off because you can't leave. You're not flexible. You can't, if God called some of you to, to, to plant a church or to leave where you are, you couldn't do it. Why? Because you're so trapped because you're in so much financial strain that you can't move. And God's like, you're not available because you're trapped. You're not available because you're a consumer. I need you to change your mindset. I need you to start giving. So how do God, God, how do I get out of this consumer mindset? I just start giving. I just start sowing whatever I have. See, when the, when the buckets go by, I'm not like, oh gosh, another bucket, another offering. You know what I see it as? I see it as, as soil. It's an opportunity for me to sow a seed into the future that God has for me, into something that I'm going to need, not just today, but down the road. God knows that I'm going to need something in 2020 that I don't have access to today. So I put something in the ground because whatever you sow, it always produces more. Why? Because there's more seed in what, what comes out of the ground. So I keep sowing and I keep giving and I keep giving. No matter how big or small it is, I just keep giving. And here's the thing that I love about our church. I love this about our church that we're not, I've never had to get up and manipulate this church into giving for whatever it is, missions to, to, to a, a project we were gonna do. Why? Because this is the thing. If the soil is good, people will wanna plant there. See, if somebody drove by your house and you were like, hey, plant, you can plant something in my house, but everything in your, in your yard is dead, Nobody wants to plant there. So we don't manipulate people into giving. We don't control people into giving. We just create and cultivate good ground so that when somebody drives by, they're like, oh my gosh, they're flourishing. Oh my gosh, they're thriving. Oh my gosh, that is green. That's a place I need to plant something in. Man, so we can't see increase as an opportunity to buy more. Increase is an opportunity to sow more. Third thought is this. I create and I cultivate availability by building a room for God. Building a room for God. It's amazing to me that when Jesus comes on the scene, the Bible Bible says there was no room for him in the end. There wasn't room there. And I'm thinking, God, like, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Like, the least you could have done is called ahead and made a reservation at the hotel. Like... (laughs) Right? But I, I think this is God's intention in there being no room for Jesus, and even Jesus being rejected by His own. I think the point God is making is, I don't make space for me, you do. I don't adjust my ways for yours. You adjust your ways for mine. You make a room for me. You make a place. For me, in Second Kings chapter four, there's a woman who, uh, the prophet Elisha, he's visiting her house often, and one day she turns to her husband. She says, "Hey, this prophet is coming through, and he's really blessing us, and we should do something. Like, how about we create a a room? Let's let's add a room that that he can he can sleep in, so that when he comes, he's got his own space, his own his own bed, his own couch. He can sit there and he can relax from all of his travel and Let's bless him that way. He's been so good to us. Let's do that. The Bible says that one day, her and the prophet are talking. He looks at her and he tells her, hey, you're going to have a child. And she's like, don't mess with me. I've been thinking about this. I don't, don't, don't mess with me. And he said, no, you're going you're gonna to have a, have a child. And so she eventually has this child, but the child grows. And one day the child is outside and, and dies. The Bible says that she takes her child and she takes him and she puts him in the room that she made. For the prophet. And then she runs to the prophet and she says, Hey, um, my son is dead, and this whole situation happened because of you. So you're coming with me, and we're gonna figure something out. So he follows her back to the house and he finds the boy laying in the room that she had built for him. And in that room, the Bible says, he lays on that boy. He begins to breathe on him. He begins to look at him eye to eye. I mean, he's literally laying on top of this boy. And the Bible tells us that breath comes back into his body. He is raised from the dead. And watch what happened. When she made that room, she thought she was making a room for the prophet. She didn't realize that when she was making that room, she was actually creating a space for the miracle that she was going to need that she didn't even know at the time she was going to need it. I just want you to know that when you create a room, you're actually making a miracle room. You're actually making a space where God is going to intervene in your life in the future that you didn't even know you needed him to intervene. See, when I think about this room right now, there are people that have been a part of our church that, that maybe they have passed away, they have gone on, or maybe they're old in their age, and maybe they're in this room right now, maybe they're not in this room, but they are a part of the group of people that built this room. And when they, when they, when they, when they, when they see God, or, or when they walk into this room, and they see what God is doing in this room... They didn't realize that their faithfulness was making a room for somebody else to experience the power of God. I just want you to know that when you give, when you make a room, it's not just about you. It's about the people that are coming after you. It's about our kids and our grandkids because I don't want this thing to end with me. I don't want this thing to end with you. This needs to go beyond us from generation to generation. Let our kids and our grandkids declare the word and the glory and the fame of Jesus. Come on, can you stand on your feet and give God praise today? You gotta, you gotta make a room. You gotta build a room. Second Samuel chapter 7, David said, God, I want to build you a house. God said, David, it's not for you to do. Your son is gonna do it. But I want you to know that because your desire was to build me a house, I want you to know this. I'm gonna build your house. Isn't that a powerful thought? All we need is a desire to build God's house, and God says, hey, because you wanted to build my house, I'm gonna build your house. My dad, as I was growing up, gave so much uh, to make possible what we see today, he sacrificed so much. And some people have, throughout the years, I've I've never understood this. I've never understood people who think that serving God is taking away time from your family. I've never understood that, that the first thing people do when they get stretched for time is quit serving God. They keep working, but they stop serving. The, The thing that's causing you anxiety and fear, is not God's house. The thing that is causing you stress and pain is not the time and the work you do for the Lord. It's the stuff you do for yourself. Uh, serving God, being in God's house. And one of the things that my parents did was like, if, if they're gonna be at church, we were gonna be with them. If we're gonna go serve, you're coming with us. We're gonna serve together as a family. I just never—I I never had this mindset in my life that God's house was a problem, or it was asking too much, or God wanted too much from me. I always had this mindset that, my God, I love the dust in God's house. Like I love—I love these carpet squares. I—I I, I, I love that door over there. Like that door matters to me. If you walked up and you tried to break that door, I'd get angry with you because that's God's door. I love that door. And some of you are like, "That's weird," but I'm serious. God's house, it, it matters. David said, I wanna build your house. God said, I'm gonna build your house. This last thought I wanna share with you, I'm gonna have to move through quickly, but this, this last thought is very important. To really make myself available to God, I have to, I have to settle the offenses that are in my life because it's hard to make myself available to God when I'm offended. And here's the thing, God wants to get something into your heart, but when you have an offended heart, can't get it to you. It's, that's why when I was talking today, there are certain points of the message that some people just shut me off because if I start to talk about finances, you've been wounded there, so you shut down and you can't receive. And God's like, I wanna give you a gift. I wanna speak life into your finances, but you won't be able to receive it until you stop being offended. There, there are some people that are single, and when they find out, they find out you're doing a marriage series or they avoid the entire month of February altogether. It's like, I'm not going to church in February because they're gonna be talking about love because I'm single and, or, I, or, I, or I'm lonely or I've been divorced and I'm, a, I'm offended. God's like, I wanna speak into your life, but you can't hear it until you let that offense Go. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. When you are offended, you can't receive because again, remember, the same with, with finances. I have to release to receive. Some of you, it's so hard for you to stay happy because it's so easy for you to get offended. Proverbs 19 11 said, says, It is one's glory to overlook an offense. The word glory there just means splendor, radiance, fame, honor. Your ability to deal with defenses will de- with offenses will determine how God will be able to use you because you can only grow to the threshold of your ability to overlook an offense. Because this is what this is this is why some people are limited right now. God has something he wants to do in your life. But here's the thing. He cannot give you more authority. He cannot give you more. He cannot give you another title. He cannot elevate you until you get rid of offense because this is what will happen. You'll use power as an opportunity for vengeance and you'll use money as an opportunity to get back at people. And God wants you to get all of that mission in your life to get revenge out of you and when you get that out of you, he can give more to you because more is more is a trust. Authority is a stewardship. That's why God could elevate Joseph, even though he could have been offended by his brothers, he could have been offended by Potiphar, he could have offended by the man that forgot him when he got out of prison, he could have been offended a lot. But when he got to the end of his life and he's looking at his family, he's saying, listen, you might have meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. He meant this so that I could be in a position to save your life. You thought you were hurting me, but God was elevating me. I just want you to know today that whatever is coming into your life, you need to be able to say, God is gonna use this for my good you might have been trying to hurt me you might have been trying to harm me but God is trying to bless me God is trying to move me into another level in my life God is trying to promote me God is trying to elevate me so that I can bless people and if I will use my authority as a way to bless people and not hurt people you can't stop me you can't stop me so I've got to let that go I don't know what you're hanging on to today I don't know who you're mad at that you just want to stay mad at I don't know who hurt you that you just want. If you heard bad news about them today, you would be thankful and happy. That person, you need to let that thing go in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's bow our heads today. Father, in Jesus' name. Availability is the best ability we can offer you. And today, God, I wanna say I'm available there are so many things sometimes that are keeping me from being available and I don't want those things to keep me from saying here am I send me so God I repent today for falling short nobody in this room is has always done it all right all the time everyone in this room has fallen short so God we just declare today that we repent and we we say God with a with a hopeful heart, I'm available. Help me to stop consuming, start sowing. Help, help me to let go of the people and the things that have offended me and hurt me. Help me so that I can move into the future that you have for me. In Jesus' name I pray.